0: Andy and I prepare uh, sermons very differently Um, so uh, I've done the best that I can but I've had them for 24 hours Uh, and there's a famous quote which is attributed to many people but one of them is Woodrow Wilson uh, and he said this if I'm to speak for 10 minutes I need a week for preparation if an hour I'm ready now Uh, so I've had 24 hours so you'll get somewhere in between 10 minutes and an hour if you've got creche age children then now is the time that if you want to take them down to creche that's just at the end of the corridor Uh, but hopefully well I won't be an hour although I do normally preach from three pages of notes maybe four and I have eight so um, (laughs) there will be some hasty cutting as we go Uh, but we've been in a series we're in the third week of our series uh, which we'll come back to in the future uh, I think just trying to answer the question what kind of church are we Uh, And so we're in the third week of that. We've talked about the fact that we are an evangelical church. In the first week, Andy spoke about that. Then last week, we spoke about the fact that we're a charismatic church. And this week, uh, I wanna talk to us, uh, Andy wanted to, but I'm gonna do it, uh, about the fact that we're a practical church. Um, And it's important to note, this series is serving two purposes. Uh, One of those is to let people know and to let you know what kind of church are we currently. That's the, this is the kind of church we are today. So we are an evangelical, charismatic and we're pra- a practical church as well. And it's also to say this is the kind of church that we're aiming to be more like because we know that we haven't reached the, the fullness of what it means. We haven't fully experienced what it means to be a charismatic church. We haven't fully experienced what it means to be an evangelical church. We haven't fully experienced what it's like to be a practical church. As I say, it's been an interesting week for me personally. I've experienced some of the practicalness of this church, which has been fantastic. Um, But I'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, So what does it mean to be a practical church? It means that we're a people of the word and the spirit and real life real life our faith it's fantastic what Marion's just brought our faith must breach the walls of this building and the homes where our midweek explore groups meet being evangelical and charismatic must land in real life what does it mean to be a practical church a practical church helps Like Jesus, we should impact the lives of those around us. A practical church doesn't try and eke out our existence in holy huddles, as they're sometimes called. If I can just make it to Sunday, I'll be okay. Okay, I've I've got to Sunday. I've got enough. If I can just make it to Wednesday night, I'll be okay. A practical church doesn't eke itself out in holy huddles. It doesn't ignore the world around us. A practical church helps And a practical church hurts. Don't mean it hurts others, it it feels hurt. Like Jesus, we should be impacted by life and the lives of those around us. A practical church doesn't ignore or try to explain away the realities of life, either to each other or to those who are outside of the church. A practical church hurts explain a bit what those mean. A practical church helps. Jesus said this in Matthew 22. I've just got one verse up there. He said this. The first and greatest commandment, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. James writes, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? And that's part of James's uh, famous section on faith without deeds is dead. You might say that you've got faith, but if it doesn't change you, if there's no change in your life, then it's not a living faith, it's a dead faith and dead things aren't very useful. We're pretty good at this. We're pretty good at loving our neighbor. And we're pretty good at not just saying, "I'll oh, be warm and well fed, but actually practically supporting people as well. Now, of course, there's some blind spots that we have and there are some things that we could improve on. But at the very least, I wanna say to you as one of your elders, as the leader of this church, we're good at this, well done, well done we get it right a decent amount of the time but I just want to mention on blind spots by the very nature of what they are we don't know what they are I don't know what my blind spots are that's why they're called a blind spot so it's, it's you, you're allowed to laugh, that's okay um, it's, it's on each of us to encourage and help each other see those blind spots there's some things that we need to improve on I want to say to you if you need help, ask for it. Be willing to ask. Be willing to t- be told no if you ask for it, and be willing to say no if you're the person being asked. There was a, a wonderful interaction the other week where uh, someone asked someone to do something and they said no to them, and I was like, "Well, wow, I'm quite impressed that you were able to say no, because lots of people can't say no. So th- this is a rule that I used to have. Um, um, my brother is in the church, if you if you don't know. Uh, I am the king of getting a lift. Now you might think you're good at getting lifts off people. I am the king of getting a lift. Andy Smith, I must owe him about a thousand pounds in petrol because of the amount of lifts that he gave me. But <clears throat> when I was uh, sort of, when Megan and I were dating or courting or whatever, before we were married, uh, I would go and see her at a parent's home uh, which is in Harrow and I was living uh, at the point my brother was living in the same home uh, and so I would, when I was you know, finished spending time with Megan I'd phone him up and say, oh, what are you doing? And I would hear him go, oh, I go, any chance of a lift? And he'd go, oh, yeah, all right, hang on. And he'd, sort of, he'd come and pick me up. Now occasionally he would say, oh, I can't, I'm busy. And I'd get the train home and then the bus and it was fine. Um, But I was always willing to ask, I was always willing to ask, and to be honest, it probably almost cost me my wife. Um, She's like, you can't keep asking for lifts, it's not fair. And my my response was, he needs to learn to say no. I'm I'm helping him, I'm training him to say no. Be willing to ask if you need help or you think maybe I, I could do it a little, maybe, I'm not sure and be willing to to hear no as a response because people need to have healthy boundaries and we don't have time to talk about that. But um, that's something that we can improve on because I know there are people who who need help, but they don't want to ask for it. And really, I'll just call it what it is, that's pride. So get over yourself, get over whatever the issue is and ask for help. No one can do it all by themselves. This is... um, (laughs) This You're getting the, the the cut version of the sermon here, this is director's cut. <clears throat> you can't do it yourself. And we need to improve on serving those outside this room in a way that leads to relationship. I think we're actually, I, I want to tell you, you might not know it, but we're very good at serving people outside this room. There are needs come up, Someone's, we hear of someone in the community who They don't have beds for their children. We've got money, money buys beds, we can give them beds. We get them a bed. We hear of people who don't have furniture for their house or whatever. Actually, the trustees in this church, what a great group of people. Full of faith, desiring to be generous. So when a need pops up and we are made aware of it, it's like, hey, we, we can solve that, we can do that. Because the people of this church, the members of this church, we give generously. And so actually we can go, we can meet those needs. So we do well, but I think where we could improve is in a, a relationship with those people. Now, sometimes people just want a free bed and that's fine and bless, God bless them. But actually sometimes there's some follow-up questions to be asked, isn't there? So what, you know, why, why, haven't you got a, not why haven't you got a bed for your children, but is there anything else that we can help with? And actually through relationship forming there, we can actually bless people more and be of better service to the community and those around. Galatians 6 verses 9 and 10 says this, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. As a church, I say, we do pretty well. We generally live by this credo. I don't know if you've seen the film Robots. It's quite good, actually. Uh, And this is a guy called Big Weld. And he says, see a need, fill a need. And generally, we're pretty good as a church like that. I think one thing we could improve on as well is it doesn't all have to come through the trustees, as it were, and the, the sort of the eldership and the leadership of the church. See a need, fill a need. You can do something for someone, do it. Let's be released and encouraged to do these things. And I wanna just share some encouragements with you uh, before I move on to talking about a practical church is a church that hurts, which I think ties in a bit with what (coughs) Marion, excuse me, was sharing. These encouragements um, just from this week. Uh, Well, one's from this week and one's a a letter that was sent to the church. Um, This week, Megan was in hospital in case you didn't know Uh, quite suddenly uh, if you were there on Wednesday evening you would have prayed for her Megan's my wife Um, so it's been as I say it's been an interesting week Um, lots of uh, last-minute adjustments but I had so many messages from people saying is there anything I can do for you that to be honest I was getting a bit cheesed off Um, (laughs) it was like if I have to reply to one more person while I'm trying to, you know, make up Jace, Joseph's bottle. Um, you know, so obviously I'm joking. So honoured and touched by the amount of people that were messaging. But it's like, if, if we can do anything, just let us know. If, if we can do anything, just let us know. It's like I put my phone down and I, was, I had my phone on to sort of cause in case Megan messaged me because um, Jane was with her and then I think she was on her own in the hospital for a while, I was looking after the kids. And it was just like, is that Megan, have they told her what's wrong? Oh no, okay, someone else, okay, thanks, I'll get on. And it was like just constant, can can I do anything? Is everything okay? Do you need any help? So encouraged by it, it's fantastic. And these these were genuine offers. Someone even said to me, you know, I'm, I'm saying if there's anything I can do, I'll do it. And I'm not just saying that, I'm saying literally, Tell me anything, and I'll do it. Um, now, as it happened, um, as I say someone was with Megan. First of all, someone took her up the hospital, and I took the girls to school. Um, and it was all it was all fine. So it was it, it was great. It was really encouraged by that. Uh, and then again, this is a, a letter that was written to the church by uh, Claire Darn. So uh, Claire and Andy talked about uh, this uh, message. I can't see Claire. Is it? Oh, shoot, you're there. I di- I did see you over there, but I was yeah. Um, I think they agreed that it would probably be easier for Andy to read out the letter than to Claire to try and say this. So, uh, Claire is married to Jimmy, who used to lead worship here. Uh, they've got three lovely children. Jimmy got a job with a church in Burgess Hill. Uh, a little while ago, we prayed for him uh, as that as that sort of took off. Uh, and things are looking good for their future. I'm reading this out, so that's why I'm uh, just trying to work out what it says a little bit. Uh, then. Uh, this is Andy's bit, so not yours Claire. yours is really very, very readable. Um, <laughs> but they've been living part-time in two locations because Jimmy's working down there, staying down there, then he comes back up and then he's away for a few nights and they've got three young children so uh, one is very young so that is, it's difficult and obviously trying to maintain two premises is difficult financially. Uh, they're now close to selling their flat here and then they'll be back all together down in Burgess Hill which is Fantastic, but also obviously sad for us um, because we've kept a good one for a bit extra. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, The good ones, I should say. Uh, But Claire and Andy recently spoke on how tangibly and practically blessed she's felt by this church during the tough season. Uh, They decided it's better. She write down, uh, she she admitted she would not be able to hold it together in front of you all. So I'm gonna read what she wrote. And being encouraged by this uh, and do what it says at the end to continue to love a a town and nation that needs it. Uh, Dear precious, this is, um, I'm not going to do an impression of Claire. Uh, Dear precious brothers and sisters of Christ first, we are incredibly grateful for the love you have shown our family. We are so humbled by your kindness, your love and support. I don't know how I would have made it through the past six months if it wasn't for your support knowing that I was not alone in the moments when I've been on the edge and dysfunctional. You have rallied around me with prayer. You have turned up at my doorstep to take care of my kids or help put them to bed. You have provided food and money when I had none. You have scrubbed and cleaned my home when all I was able to do was survive. You have given me wisdom and encouragement and clarity when I needed it most. You have allowed me to be vulnerable with my guard down and loved me in my mess. You have blessed me and my family in ways that I can never repay. You have shown me love in ways that I cannot articulate. I don't want to leave you. My heart bursts with love and thankfulness for you. You are a beautiful church, a church that knows how to love, a church that must continue to love in a town that so needs it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for every single thing you've done for me and my family. All my love, Claire. Be encouraged, church. I feel a bit emotional, but I'm not sure I'm going to hold it together. Be encouraged, church. There are people who need to experience that kind of love. There are people in this room that need to experience that kind of love, but there are, there are thousands of people in this town that need to experience the love of God shown practically through his church. And I wanna press in a little bit to what Marion shared. And we sang that song, a practical church hurts. A practical church helps because it hurts. It hurts for those inside and outside the church who need help. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. We're good at taking care of ourselves. The fact that we're here generally, it means you're pretty good at taking care of yourself. You probably had breakfast this morning. There are people, there are children who didn't have breakfast this morning. This is not a guilt trip. I'm saying let's let's let our hearts be broken. There are children who didn't have breakfast this morning. Like Jesus, we should be engaged emotionally with the people and the world around us we should be impacted and affected by those things. I'm just going to read a passage, a short passage from John 11. This is uh, Jesus' friend Lazarus had died and he went and he saw uh, one of of his sisters, Lazarus' sisters says this, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. There's actually quite a lot in this uh, little section. The fact that Jesus wept, this is God. God weeps. See how he loved him. People could see that Jesus loved Lazarus, that he loved that family. They were his friends. There's a section there, it's a, a phrase, it says he was greatly troubled, moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And actually the, the word there is, is, is it's greatly troubled. It, it means kind of indignant. The actual, if you look at what the word is used for, it's often used of like a a horse as it's about to sort of charge into battle and that snorting sort of noise that it makes. Sorry, I'm a little bit teary, so that was a bit gross, wasn't it, sorry. Um, But it's that kind of indignant noise because his friend was dead. The author of life had to experience the pain of someone he loved dying. He was indignant It's just a small insight into the emotional life of Jesus If you're a follower of Jesus and you never experience emotion there's something wrong We're not Stoics We're little, little Christs We're followers of Jesus Jesus was peak human if you understand what I mean. He's the, he's the bar. Jesus wept, he was indignant, he was angry but didn't sin. He went to parties. He's the guy who turned water into wine and they said this is the best wine at of the, of the party. It wasn't like this is some cheap you know one pound bottle that you've got on sale, this is the best stuff He was concerned on the cross. He was concerned about his mum and his best mate. If you follow Jesus and you never experience emotions, something is wrong. We need to allow ourselves to feel deeply about these things. It's also true if you follow Jesus and your emotions rule you, something is wrong. One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy, not happiness, joy. I often say, someone says, You okay? I say, I'm not happy, but I'm joyful. You know, I, I've joy, I've got, I know everything is going to work for God's glory and my good. That, I know that. Amen. But I'm not happy about this right now. I'm sad. A practical church experiences emotions together. We weep with those who weep and we rejoice with those who rejoice. We sit and cry together, we dance, some of us dance, and celebrate together. If I dance, probably people will start weeping. Um, a practical church hurts. A practical church hurts. I think we live in a time where the, the goal is to never experience any pain we're obsessed with getting rid of germs uh, you know and everything being completely sanitized because we don't want to oh, we don't want to experience any any pain or anything and to some extent i think that's that's okay because when the world was created it was created pain free and sickness free so i understand that but i think we we can be so obsessed with it that we could become fearful. I know of churches who, uh, when they have interns come come to them, they say, if you're going to do an internship with us, you need to bear in mind, we're basically going to pray for the next year that you have some difficulties because it's going to stretch you, it's going to grow your character. Now, obviously, you have to be sensitive with that. Some people can handle a bit more because they've been stretched previously. But I think we need to allow ourselves to experience these emotions. We need to allow God to work on our hearts to be hurt for what's hurting him. A practical church also makes things tangible. We have talked for a while about the 20s, uh, not a group of people, but 20 cha- these challenges, 20, 20, 20. And so I just want to touch on these a little bit. We've said that we want every member to be giving hope, extending hope to 20 people, every member of this church, extending the hope that we have to 20 people. We try and encourage every member to spend 20 minutes a day with God, which almost sounds laughable on one, one level to think 20 minutes, okay, that's, that's pretty reasonable. But actually, I think if, if we did a survey, uh, it's actually quite a big ask of people from where they are currently are. Not necessarily people in this room, but Christians in general, it's it's in the low single digit minutes in terms of time spent with God, reading the Bible and praying. And we try and challenge every member to contribute 20, po- this we started this in 2016, 20 pound more a month to fund the mission of this church than they were currently giving. And again, for some people that's a challenge, 20 pound that's like, that's 20 pound more than I currently give and it's 120 pound more than I've got in my bank account. You know, that's the reality of some people's lives. For other people, 20 pound, well, you know, I won't have, I'll skip a coffee once a, once a day for a week, a month, and then I'll be all right. Um, which you probably you'd have more than 20 pounds if you did that, but um, we, try, we try and lay these challenges before you every January, every September, with a view to sort of in 2020, September 2020, that we would, Uh, be doing these things so extending hope to 20 people spending 20 minutes a day with God and giving 20 pounds more than you currently do per month uh, to the mission of this church and particularly I want to focus in on this hope giving hope to people it can mean a number of things it can be uh, it can be praying for someone Uh, it can be sharing the gospel with them it could be practically helping them it could be just sitting next to them while they cry and putting your arm around them and saying I'm going to be, I'll, I'll walk, walk through this with you. It's so great what's been shared this morning, Shirley and, and Becky, walking, that, it's a long old walk, Christian life, but to have moments where a gust of wind comes and cools you down, or to think man, Lord, I don't know if I can take this anymore. Oh, there's a nice flat bit for a while. To know that we've got someone who's with us. Going to put their arm around us, stand alongside us. It might be speaking up on someone else's behalf and they suddenly something in them is like, I'm not, the, I'm not alone in this. Someone is going to speak up for me. It might be filling a shoebox with gifts for a child to receive at Christmas time. It might be buying someone a coffee and a sandwich. We want to be a church that extends the hope that we've received to other people. The practical living out of our faith is captured in the what's called a missional triad of, our, of the church which means it's the three statements that encapsulate our mission which is to put Christ first, transforming lives and building community. And we put that in that order quite deliberately. That's how it should be. I keep turning this off, I don't know why. Um, It's Christ first, transforming lives, building community. On a very personal level, what happens is when we give our lives to Christ, when we say, Jesus, you've saved me from my sin, he's not just our saviour, he's our Lord. That means he gets the glory, he gets to dictate what we do, when we do it, how we spend our money. We live for his glory. He's our model of how to live life. We look at what he said as priority over what we think or feel. Our lives are lived with Christ first. That means some tough challenges because it means that when you spend that 20 minutes reading the Bible and praying, you're probably gonna come across some stuff that, oh, well, well I do that and it says not to do it. Oh, now what do I do? Oh, maybe I'll close that and won't read it again for a week and see if it changes. Or we go, actually, Christ is first. How I feel about it is secondary says to do this, I'm going to do it. Says not to do it, I'm not going to do it. And as we do that, as we look to to please God, to give God glory, to live under the guidance of Jesus and the and the word of God, we start doing the right things and our lives begin to be transformed. It's our lives we begin to see God transforming our lives. We stop getting drunk and start being filled with the Spirit. We stop swearing and start speaking words of life and encouragement. We stop being selfish and start to care for others. We stop letting our anger flare out of control and instead become indignant about injustice. We stop holding grudges and start to forgive. We stop loving money and start to see it as a gift to be used, likewise with our possessions. We seek out scripture that speaks of the of goodness that we can do for other people and we do it. We take seriously the challenge of James to be doers of the word, not just hearers. And as our lives are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, we begin begin to see a community being built of transformed lives that are extending hope and seeing other lives transformed that then builds that community and benefits that community. we bless and change, we can bless and change this town. As we step in and help, we show love in what we do without questioning whether people deserve our help, just like Jesus did. We look to administer and help achieve peace when people have fallen out, perhaps in a marriage or in a friendship or a coworker, just like Jesus did. We offer kindness and practical help to those who've gotten into difficulty just like Jesus did we remain faithful and patient we hang in there with people with the people that others ditch the outcasts of society the others that the others dump or ignore or shun we're patient and faithful to them just like Jesus was just like he is jesus said i came to serve not to be served and that shapes the kind of church that we are we value service You know, we have these eight core values. We value service. We serve the servant king. Are we perfect at being a practical church? No. Do we drop the ball? Yes. But it's something that we're building into our DNA and we're pretty good at. And we're going to get better. We wanna demonstrate Christ in tangible ways. Now, does this mean if you've got a problem, you should expect Andy or I to turn up on your door straight away? I'm sorry to disappoint you. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being a church that does this. When I first started, (laughs) um, when Megan and I first started dating, one of the things I said to her was, I don't make promises and I'm going to let you down. (laughs) Um, I I don't like making promises because I think if I say I'm going to do something, that's like, that's as good as a promise in my book. I'm going to do my very best to do it. I probably won't. So saying I promise I'll do it is irrelevant because I'm either going to do it or I'm not. And if I tell you I will, I'm going to do my very best. Uh, And I said, I'm going to let you down. You know, don't be looking at me as your saviour. Thankfully, I married a wonderful woman who loves Jesus. And she was like, yeah, I know. I've met you before. Um, <laughs> so it was like, if you want someone who's not going to let you down, you've got to look to Jesus. Don't look here. I'm the guy who gets a grease spot on his T-shirt the first day he wears it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm going to let you down. I let myself down. I'm definitely going to let you down. Um, but as a church, we can support and encourage one another. We should all be serving one another there's been a kind of a fresh a freshness of in terms of uh, a fresh infilling of the spirit in the church and i think that's going to help in seeing an increase in this that as we're more filled with the spirit that we will grow in relationship with god reading your bible and prayer becomes easier Your life is transformed by those things. You're shaped by those things. We're able to serve one another better. We need God to break our hearts for what breaks his because a practical church helps and a practical church hurts. We need to feel it. I'm going to finish by praying uh, and then... We've actually come in quite under time, which is impressive. Um, I'm going to finish by praying and then we'll uh, if you want specific prayer, then there'll be a prayer team here. And I'd encourage you, uh, particularly in response to what Ali shared about um, the sort of the rats scurrying around. That's the sort of way I could remember it Um, or any of the other things that have come up this morning. But I'm going to pray for us all uh, in line with what Marion shared earlier and what I've said about feeling that hurt. Father, we thank you that you love us. That we can love you because you first loved us. You are the initiator. Lord, I pray that you would help us to reflect you and be initiators. We would seek out those who need love, those who need support and encouragement and help and need a friend a faithful friend that we would seek them out that we would have soft hearts your word talks about replacing a a heart of stone with a heart of flesh do that now Lord by your spirit if there's things that become calloused and hard scrub it off we recognize sometimes that's uncomfortable. But we're saying, I'm saying for me, Lord, I, I, I'm up for it. I almost regret saying the words, but I'm up for it, Lord. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Let me see the lost like you see them. Give us a passion to see the good news of Jesus Christ shared the love of Jesus Christ demonstrated practically. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.